flood-resistant construction. This is 7 Minutes of BS. Building science syncopated. I'm Dan Morrison, editor of Pro Tradecraft. Flood-resistant construction is two things. And that is Joseph Stiebrick, a founding principal of Building Science Corporation. Dr. Joe is a Ph.D., a P-E-N-G, and a BMF besides. One approach is you build above the flood level, so it doesn't matter. That's an insanely logical way of doing it. You don't have to use special materials once you get above the, the flood level. The second is, is you assume that the materials, the enclosure, the assembly is going to get wet and saturated. So you build it in such a way that it's easy to dry and clean the building and put it back together after the event happens. Many natural phenomena can cause floods, from heavy snows and warm weather in the mountains to heavy rains over long periods to massive hurricanes, as we saw at the end of 2017 in Houston, Florida, Puerto Rico, and all over the Caribbean. The mechanism of property damage goes beyond the gallons of water soaking into the building materials. It's dirty water. Flood water is not clean. We call it category three water for, for a reason. There's sewage in it, there's animal parts, there's oils. There, I mean, it's just not good stuff. If the flooding and the wetting was clean water, this would be all easy. What makes this more difficult is this is dirty water, exceptionally dirty water. And if all you do is dry and the nasties are still there, the nasties are still there. If all you do is dry the materials out after a flood with Category 3 water, then you just got yourself a Category 3 nasty wall. And that's not good. One solution to construction in flood zones is to eliminate construction in flood zones. Surely we're smart enough not to build where it floods. But for a number of practical reasons, that's not in the cards. But that's not in the cards. If we're going to build flood-resistant construction because we have no choice. In a perfect world, we would start from the beginning. Well, in a perfect world, we wouldn't be talking about Category 3 nasty walls, but setting that aside... It's always easier with a clean sheet of paper. New construction is easier than remodeling. Without having to re rehabilitate or renovate an existing building. Um, the easy thing is to build up. On piers or sacrificial spaces. So you build above where you expect it to flood. People living in the coastal southeast know all about this. North and South Carolina, Florida. Especially the panhandle. And along the Gulf Coast to Texas. In places where it's not practical to, to, to build up, we build the first floor out of, out of stuff that we, we allow it to get wet. Sacrificial spaces that are going to be perfectly dry 95% of the time. This method uses concrete and masonry on the first floor. We line the concrete and masonry with stuff that's, in essence, disposable. So we build the first floor out of stuff that we allow to get wet. When it gets wet, we dry it and throw out the stuff that we can't save, but we've designed it to make it easy to throw out the stuff that we can't save, disinfect and clean, put it back together and, and go on. That's the easy stuff. The more difficult is what do you do when you have a building that wasn't designed to be wash and wear and clean and rehabilitated and it wasn't expected to be flooded? What if it were a slab on grade somewhere in Houston? 
with brick veneer over stud framing and drywall or even lath and plaster? And what if the people living there can't afford to knock the house down and build on top of piers? Well, you you take it apart. You take out the, the water damage stuff that can't be saved, which would be the fluffy insulation in the cavities gypsum board carpet cabinets trim furniture rugs you toss it out you toss them out you're you're left with bare studs and probably the backside of the brick veneer from the inside that's where you start with the first thing that you do when you're reconstructing one of these is you gotta kill the stuff that's already bad you want to clean and we disinfect you you power wash you power wash you power wash then you dry and then you do it again with some bleach and some water and you lather rinse repeat all of this demo and cleanup gets pretty labor intensive it can get pretty expensive too so when you put it back together now we got to put the thing back together put it back to resist absorbing water category three or otherwise we need to install from the inside a water control and an air control layer. The water control is way more important than the than the air control. When water passes through your cladding or your brick, we have to drain it out the bottom back to the outside. There are a lot of mortar droppings on the backside of a brick veneer and you'll never get a chance like this again to clean them out. Take special care to clean away any mortar drops at the bottom, which can prevent water from draining out. When the water runs down the backside of the brick, it gets to the bottom of the wall and then we can drain it out the bottom. So you need to clean that step in the slab well. You're going to have a chisel, you're going to have a hammer. And you're going to whack the chisel with the hammer. You're going to have an air gun to blow things away. And, and a shop vac to suck things up. And, and you're good to go. And we're good to go. Where we're going is reconstruction. Beginning at the bottom of the wall with a paint-on membrane over the bottom plate and, and a seat in the slab into this beautiful flashing system. And that is the key element, that flashing drainage weep assembly at the bottom of the wall. So now, any water that gets in can get out easily. Time to close up the wall. And then you, you line the thing with a drainage mat from the inside. If you're lucky, you can run the drainage mat um, past the studs. If you're not so lucky, you run it to the studs. No problem, they both work. This drainage mat ought to have a facing on one side, and that side ought to face toward the interior of the house, because you're going to spray polyurethane foam. Two-pound density polyurethane foam. Two-pound density foam. Not half-pound. Not the half-pound stuff. Not half-pound. Not the half-pound stuff. The two-pound stuff. half-pound stuff is open cell and can absorb water. We don't want a sponge in there. And then you stand back and you admire your workmanship. Look at that workmanship. And then you coat everything with acrylic latex paint. Why? Well, so when we have the next event, the black water, we're not absorbing sewage category three stuff into the wood and the, the two-pound density polyurethane foam. That should be a robust, water-resistant wall assembly that you can hang some drywall on. If you're smart with a paperless gypsum board, then you can put it back together and call it a day. You know, the next time this happens, and it will happen again, folks, just strip out the gypsum board and the trim, power wash, and put it back together. It's going to be a lot easier the next time. One last thing to mention is an emergency escape hatch. If you're going to rebuild it, do it right. One of the things that we've learned over time is that sometimes the water gets higher than anybody expects in a very short period of time. And there are people rescued from boats and helicopters from roofs. 
it would be smart to be able to get to the roof without much difficulty. I think if we're going to be building in a flood area, we should put a skylight in. And the idea of the skylight is the skylight is a hatch to allow us youngsters, the old people, whoever is necessary, the cat and the dog, to get up on the roof so that we can be rescued. If you're going to rebuild it, do it right. Make it impervious to water and easy to clean. And add a back door to the roof in case things get out of hand. I'd like to thank Dr. Joe for joining me today in what clocked in at about nine minutes of BS. Remember, you get paid for what you do and what you know. And if you already know how much it sucks to clean up after a flood, you'll want to know how to make it easy next time. If you like this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, positive review, and share it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or however you like to listen in. Seven Minutes of BS is a production of the SGC Horizon Media Network.